Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. to the nine foot homemade oak bar pour yourself a cold one my name is chris his name is craig this episode and every episode of bucks in the basement currently brought to you by shopyins.com uh get over there and get some great merchandise it's all that craig wears that's it i i I think at this point people who are not from pittsburgh or don't know about shopyins.com look at him and think to themselves what city is he from with the y on his hat right i mean when was the last time you wore something that had a p on your hat it's been a while, man, and and they might think I'm from like Youngstown or something, though. But this is it's definitely a Yins. <laughs> Listen, twenty percent off for new customers. Join the Yins Nation. Three dynasties, one brand. Yins, the number one brand for Pittsburgh sports, and the proud sponsors of Bucks in the Basement. You have a notebook in front of you. Why? Well, Chris, I, I do this kind of every year. And it's because I'm just like a total dork and can't really think of anything else to do with my time, I guess. Yeah, and you're old, too. You're obviously old because you don't have your notes in your phone or even on your laptop. You're, you're walking around with a notebook, like something I had in high school three decades ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I, have, I have all the technology in the world. I could probably just put it on my iPad or, or pull something up. But no, I, I pull out like the old school notebook and, and write down... Because I, I like the thought of like erasing. I don't know what it is. It's like if I'm thinking of something, it's like, no, I, I want to erase that maybe just to get rid of it totally out of my mind or just it's just the way that I, I operate. But I have a depth chart and I kind of call it my own, you know, Fangraphs roster resource where it's, you know, that one is broken down by positions in the minor leagues. And it's starting with, you know, your starters and your 26 man. I just kind of lay out like my top tier guys in, you know, who could compete for that position at the major league level. I put that in a tier one, a tier two is, you know, maybe not the greatest option, but maybe next man up. And the third tier is kind of like who's on the way. And it doesn't even have to be immediately. It's just the guys that kind of pop into your head as to who could play that position. And and I do it, you know, catch your first base all around the diamond and then I do the starters and the bullpen separately. And I it helps me think like if there's holes, where those holes could be, and also, you know, where the holes are. For me, where the holes could be is it, shortstop. That's that's where my mind was drawn. I mean, everybody knows we've been bringing it up. There's a hole at first base. Without Roberto Perez right now, you know, on the roster, he's he's a free, he's gonna be a free agent here. There's been talk about re-signing him. There's a hole at catcher. We can't go in with you know Ali Sanchez, Jason DeLay, and, and Tyler Heineman instead of, you know, 
waiting till you know Andy gets around. And what about what about Carter Bins? Do you think that he can he can move up? He's in AAA currently. And Andy, do you think do you think Andy or Carter could step in and fill the role on the team, or do you want somebody who's a vet? I want somebody who's a vet, and and Carter Bins, I uh, just has never really shown much since we got him in the Tyler Anderson deal. He he hadn't shown much even before that. Well, here's the thing. I was really kind of trying to get to Andy. Yeah. Like I was I was really trying to get to that. And I was just like, well, I'll just list off a couple of catchers. But I really just wanted to get to Andy because there are some people who are like, I'll just bring him up, even though we only had a couple of at bats in in triple A. And I, I'm opposed to that because I would rather have him stay in triple A with pitchers that he's going to come up with to the major league roster and get used to catching them instead of coming up and trying to slide into a role where you're almost jumping a level with the amount of time that he spent in AAA. He didn't spend a lot there. You're almost jumping a level doing this. And you're and you're you're coming in and having to handle a major league staff as a rookie. You, you have to go out and get a veteran catcher. I think that that's something they have to do. It doesn't need to be Perez. I'll be honest with you. It doesn't need to. They can pick from a myriad of catchers out there. I like Navarez, personally. I mean, he brings a little bit of a bat. You need some offense. That's something this team needs to find more of is offense. But in the end, I would imagine that they will lean towards somebody that handles pitchers well because growing the staff and getting it on track and finding those starters that are going to be with you for the next couple of years and starting to build something there that is more consistent is probably more important than a guy who hits for a higher average or may have a little bit more pop in the bat. Well, I think this is like kind of like the one position where I know we always say if the bat plays, then you know you can find a spot for him. But as far as if you're going to view him as at least your part-time to full-time catcher, and this is, you know saying what happens with Davis and he comes up and you have you have two catchers he can move to other positions and do other stuff but for me like if you're going to view him as okay we're not going with Roberto Perez and we're just going with Andy and let's just say Jason DeLay for the time being until Henry Davis you know works his way up it, I think it would be putting a lot of pressure on the young man's shoulders not saying that you know it's easy to play in the major leagues, but you know, center field, center field, left field is left field, right field is right field. You know, shortstop. You, you, there's just so much different stuff that goes into being the catcher. Like you become the general on the field. You are studying. You know, not only the opposing pitchers to see how well you can hit, but then also you know all of the opposing batters to know their tendencies. And different stuff. And like you said, managing a, a staff that, you know, with Mitch Keller, who's finally just come around, JT Brubaker, who's kind of working himself into maybe just being the, you know, five uh, on the the rotation depth chart or a possible swing man or something at some point in time. But for the most part, you have a, a very, very, you know, young rotation. So to me, it's like, not only do you need that <laughs> the veteran presence, you know, in the starting rotation, you would think you would need that veteran catcher to not only, you know, help the staff, but then to also help and bring Endy along. And and you talk about like an, an Omar Navarez, and that's a guy who I'd been looking at. I think it was even previously 
um, when he was out in uh, in Seattle, and I was just like, man, he he's definitely got a bat if he could only work on his defense. Well, in 2019, he was negative 18 defensive runs saved in 98 games for the Mariners. I mean, that's just absolutely god-awful. In 2021, because I'm going to skip 2020, I mean, that was just, it's he was two defensive runs saved, but there wasn't a whole lot of innings there. Then you jump to 2021, and he's 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 positive three again, and he's positive one again this year. So he's an above-average catcher with a bat. So, I mean, I guess you would have to say, you know, do you want to go with Perez because he stuck around this entire year and, you know, was still in the the dugout and was talking to people and working out with the team? Yeah, but he and- wants a two-year deal, right? I mean, like, that's what he wants. He's a guy who didn't play and he wants two years is what the reports are, right? And it's understandable as to why he would want two years. Well, yeah, I get that. But, I mean, and here's the thing, though. You're injured and you stick around the team for a year. Don't act like he was, like, doing the Pirates a favor. He was also sticking around the team because he's a guy who's not guaranteed, like, a real role, like a major role on on a Major League Baseball team when he comes back. He's not an all-world catcher. So he sticks around the team because he wants to get that good reputation and ask for two years instead of a one-year prove it. So there's a motivation for being around the team as well. I'm not saying it's sinister, but it makes sense for him to be around the team for his own his own self-preservation. He he yeah. kind of has to stay around the team and and do that. So I mean to me you do, you're not you're not beholden to keeping him. You should sign the deal with the guy that you think makes the most amount of sense not only in terms of money and years because you are going to be getting to your competitive window sooner rather than later, hopefully. I mean, I, I want to build a culture in 23 and compete for a postseason spot in 24, okay? That's that's where they should be realistically at this point. You also have to have somebody that handles the rotation, and y- you have three pitchers in there that might be in that final five rotation when this team is moving towards the postseason in 24, Okay, I, I right now I would say, like you said, Brew Baker is probably a five on a competitive team, and Keller is a four, maybe becomes a three on a competitive team, and Contreras is probably a three that could that has the chance to move up to the higher end of the rotation, depending on how he develops. And you're going to have to find another top end rotation guy, possibly in free agency, even, you know, because you're going to save so much money how you constructed it. Maybe you actually go out and get one big thing, like a shiny toy that you can throw in there with the other pitchers. And you might not even have that, but you've got three guys right now that you want to see continue to take the next step and the next step and get better as this process moves forward and into the next stage. And I don't know if you hand that to a rookie and you got to make sure that you're giving it to a capable backstop that's not going to to hinder their development and could actually help them. Yeah. And I mean, and if you look at like a, a catcher like a Navarez, his his uh, salary last year in his final year of arbitration was one year, five million dollars. What you paid to Roberto Perez. And that's the other piece is that, you know, he did stick around, but it wasn't like he stuck around for free. The man got paid five million dollars last year, right, to play sixty games. So yeah. it's it, it it's not like this, you know, great thing. And guess what? Like you said, it's a self preservation thing. And of course, he wants a couple year deal. And I'm pretty sure 
maybe the Pirates could work it out that, you know, they they give him a little bit this year, and then if they want to bring him around for the next year, make it like a mutual option or something for the second year. But, I, I mean, even at that, like, to me, I'm just uh, – Narvarez is, is cheaper. He's younger. Uh, he – the bad part, we were talking about this before the show, Chris, is the two guys I was looking at was him and Tucker Barnhart, and both of them were kind of like on the shelf on and off uh, this past season – uh, but with a Navarez, he's coming from Milwaukee that is a team that has had a a winning culture for the time that he was there. Like they were fighting for the division title with St. Louis uh, prior to kind of falling off the map towards the end of the year. But then the previous year before that, they won the division. So, I mean, he's shown that he can he can handle a a pretty darn good pitching staff up there in Milwaukee. So, it's not that I don't want Perez. It's it's just that actually, you know what? It kind of is. I maybe I just don't want Perez. I don't know. Like I, you it's know, just, I, I lean towards going out after a guy like Navarez over a Perez. I just don't know what the what the price is going to be. You know, I, I think that's I think that's it. And if you go and you sign Navarez, you're going to have to give him multiple years. Okay, yeah. and, and you're going to have to give him multiple years, and that will get in the way of Henry Davis getting here eventually, or you're going to be saying, okay, well, at some point when Davis, if he develops into what you want him to be, Davis is now the one and Navarez becomes the two, but you don't have to worry about accelerating anything and you wait until he's absolutely ready to get here. And then there's also just the notion, and it's completely possible that not every prospect works out. Okay, like you, you want him to work out, but you don't know when he's going to stumble or if he's going to stumble or if he's going to get to a level where he can't figure something out as he's moving up. So you can't also assume that every prospect's just going to slide in, hit 325 to 30 bombs and play perfect defense because of where they were drafted. Like you just can't assume that. So I, I, I again, think this team needs to start building itself into a winner, at least establishing a culture. A guy like Navarez intrigues me because of where he comes from, okay? Uh, the staff that he's handled before. And the fact that you don't have to sit around and say, well, we just need one of these guys to take the next step. And then all of a sudden we can promote him. And then we got to see if they can survive in the majors. You just go, no, no, no. We got a catcher now for a couple years. And those guys, when they're ready, they'll push him out of the way. That's really what you want, right? You don't want to be sitting there yeah. waiting on a guy. You want a guy to show up and be so good that he could take the job from the other guy. That's when you know that you have a franchise that's set up with talent and depth. And so that, I would go in his direction, I think, over Perez, just because Perez is a placeholder. He was a placeholder when he was signed last year. He'd be a placeholder here. I, I'm not opposed to going out and getting guys that aren't essentially placeholders, but are actually contributing members to the team, that if you can get them on the right deal and the right money, are, well technically a placeholder because you're expecting Henry Davis to be like a long-term franchise catcher for you, but you don't have to sit there and worry about when he's going to get here and you can keep moving forward to become a competitive team. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bridging the gap. I feel in a, in a more effective and more efficient way. And also like Chris, the thing you were saying in there, as soon as you said, you know, a player we're looking to see like that a player is going to where they were drafted. They're going to, pop in and they're just going to take off from the very beginning. We, we saw what happened to O'Neill Cruz. We've seen the struggles that have happened with Cabrian Hayes, you know, since, since the, the, his first month on the job, we've seen how guys have come up and, and have struggled. And 
what always pops into my head is I can remember back when when the Giants they drafted Bailey. I think it was out of NC State as a catcher, and they said, "Why would they draft another catcher? They, they already have Joey Bart. Like Joey Bart's going to be the the next person that that just steps in there and does really really well." But everybody, take a minute here and go out and look at Joey Bart's stats and look at him have having bounced up and down from AAA to the majors and struggling to kind of like have his footing where he was seen as almost like a no doubt catching prospect by everybody in major league baseball. And he hasn't worked out that way. And I'm not saying that ND is going to be, or that, you know, Davis is, is going to fall into that Joey Bart category, but, but he could, they could, that's the thing with, with prospects, they could. And then, and yeah. that I think it, when when you hear people argue, well, you don't need this position because you got so and so in the minors that's going to be here soon, and you don't want him blocked. Uh, you, those people are assuming that every prospect works out and becomes great, and I don't think you can assume that. And so there's nothing wrong with starting to build a team. Now I don't think they're going out and making a ton of signings, and they're not going to instantly like come in this year in this offseason and say, guess what? We've got $100 million to spend in the offseason. They're not doing that, all right? They're still Bob Nutting's pirates. But, but you know, you could start to put pieces in place that are solid pieces that are going to be there for two to three years that you say, okay, this is my catcher. This is my my first baseman. You know, these are my pitchers, or at least these are my top three. It, it, that You could start building your team and then if the rebuild is successful, you have pieces you can trade in the competitive window to go get somebody at a trade deadline when you're actually fighting for the postseason. And you have guys that are challenging to take jobs so that when the player that you put in that position is running out of time on their contract, you're not worried or they're just pushing that guy out of the way because they're so good. You, you want to get to that point. You don't want to always be like, well, we didn't go out and spend anything and didn't get anything because we expect this rookie, rookie to rookie A, to move up from this 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 minor league system and, and come in here and just instantly hit. That that's the wrong way to do things. It was the same thing for the people that were saying, I mean, just going back to a year ago, saying, why don't we mo- move O'Neill Cruz to right field now because we have, you know, Leova Pagaro is going to push him out of the way immediately. And I'm guessing, you know, a lot of people saw that he got his, you know, brief cup of coffee as in like there happened, he happened to be like going from one place to another. There was an injury and he got pulled into the game, you know, on a Saturday night in uh, at PNC Park. They didn't really watch a lot of the stuff that he was doing. And this isn't just for, you know, this year, but it's this year and last year. Last year when he was in Greensboro, which if anybody's ever been to Greensboro or watched a game uh, that's been played in Greensboro, that thing is a bandbox. If you can't hit a home run in in Greensboro, then I don't know what to tell you. You should you should probably go you know try a different profession or something because I'm pretty sure I could I could probably if you gave me like a little bit of batting practice could hit a few home runs in in Greensboro, but he only batted. And this is a bet a 270, a 108 WRC plus, just over a 700 OPS. He's like around like a 740 OPS, 14 home runs. Didn't really play that great. 
And then when he was in Altoona this year, that's 259 with an 88 WRC plus and below a 700 OPS. So there, there's your answer at shortstop. Like that's where I was kind of getting, like when I said there's, there's places where there's holes is that like, you know, if O'Neill Cruz just happens to be with his, I think it was like negative seven, negative eight outs above average uh, this year at shortstop, he did have a positive defensive run save just a little bit above average. I think it was like around a one or a two. Then, you know, the answer was Piguero. Well, I looked and the answer right now is, is probably Kevin Newman. Yeah. As far as like defense and stuff, because they put Castro out there. Castro struggled. Castro showed he could back up, you know, keep Ryan Hayes if he needed a break at third base and plays a, you know, at least serviceable second base, but he can't play shortstop. You know, who are you gonna you gonna bring back Hoy Park to play shortstop? I mean, I guess maybe I haven't they haven't given enough of a shot to like a two Capito Marcano. Um, but they've even almost like looked at he is like a utility guy and and is going to be playing like some outfield as well. So for Cruz wise, I mean, there really isn't like we always thought like, oh my God, there's so much middle infield depth. And and before we started recording today, Chris, I said, no, there's a there's a lot of second base depth. A lot of second base depth. Tons of it. I mean, think think about this. Like when you look at this roster and you see, let's say, Brian Reynolds. I'll, I'll say Brian Reynolds, O'Neill Cruz, Brian Hayes. Those are the only three guys that I wouldn't want to block right now on this team. You have a ridiculous amount of second basemen, so they're all just blocking each other, right? And, and other than that, I, I'd move anybody in that I wanted to into a position. Like if all of a sudden somebody said, hey, you know, let's just say hypothetically, Bob Nutting goes crazy. Says, I'm going to raise the, 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 the payroll and make it respectable. Ben Charrington's able to walk in and add at certain positions, right? You, he could he could add a catcher right now, first base, even add at second base with the log jam and go out and find something that he might like better. Although I, I'm going to tell you, I think I think second base is actually pretty thin. So I just keep my log jam and spend my money elsewhere. OK, but he could also add to his outfield and it wouldn't necessarily be blocking something that you'd be like, oh, we really missed out on seeing if that guy developed because you don't know. You don't know in most of these positions how guys are going to end up, and he would definitely add to his rotation. That you could, you would. That's that's what you would do right away with this team. I think right off the top of my head. Now it's not happening, but I mean, like that's that's what you would do right away. You have a you have an awful lot of players that we're all crossing our fingers take another step, but we don't know if they're going to take another step. We don't know if the guy behind him is going to take another step. I I don't mind the log jam at second base because you got to think, you know, you could just throw a stone into the the pile of them and it will at least hit one good baseball player, right? That's going to end up being the second baseman long-term. You, you got to think they're going to find one in there that you're going to sit there and say, yep, that was the one that that rose to the top. There's, I love the competition there because I think it's the one position you don't have to worry about. Yeah, and that's what I look at. it. I'm like, okay, I, I still maybe start Newman there this year. You've got Rodolfo Castro. You got G1 Bay who can also play second base. You got Marcano, Diego Castillo, Nick Gonzalez. Tamar Johnson, who you just drafted. I mean, you have just a string of guys, and it, it could even be a, you know, a Leover Pagero pushing from shortstop and, and going over to second base. You, you, like, don't really know. So there's a lot of people there, and then everybody's just like, I don't know if I would add in the outfield. I'm like, I think you almost have to add in the outfield because you have Brian Reynolds, who's your only answer. That's it. Whether he's playing And whether he's playing center field or left, it really doesn't matter. 
He's your only answer in the outfield. You need four outfielders. You need four viable outfielders for a 162-game season minimum. You need four. There's going to be somebody who's going to get injured. You need to give rest. That person's got to rest everybody probably once a week. So there's three games right there that that fourth outfielder is going to play, and they're the first one in if there's an injury. You need four. And right now you have one. You have one and a bunch of possibilities. So I, I would yeah. love it if they added in the outfield. I mean, if they if they if they added at first base and added in the outfield and both of them were capable professional hitters that you could put into the middle of the lineup, I'd be ecstatic. Yeah, because I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, G1 Bay is going to play some outfield because he did in the minor leagues at some point in time. But there's also no guarantee that G1 Bay starts the year with the major league team. Like there's there's no guarantee for that either. So, like, right now, I said, you have Reynolds as your answer. You have Jack Sawinski, who couldn't stick for a year in, in the major leagues. And granted, he did take the jump from, you know, double A the, the whole way up. You have Miguel Anjuar, who you're going to tender, who hasn't been able to stick because of injuries and performance and for whatever other reason. I know he was trying to make it onto the Yankees, but still has not made it, stayed on a major league roster since his rookie season. And, and then Brian Reynolds, you have Travis Swaggerty, who couldn't work his way up. You had Cal Mitchell, who started hitting in his last trip to the major leagues, but showed that he still wasn't as good at fielding. His arm wasn't as strong. And there's talk even, I have him written down here as a possible option in a platoon with uh, Malcolm Nunez at, at first base You know, later on in the season. I have them like in my tier two. My tier one is free agent or trade, free agent or trade, free agent or trade. Like, you need to kind of get a first baseman. But I just don't see, like, you know, you don't know how Kanan Smith and Jigba is going to come back from his injury. So, and and how he's going to perform in the major league. So he's not an answer. So right now, it's just like we have a glut of, you know, possibilities in the outfield. Well, once again, like, wouldn't you want the guys to be kind of like force themselves onto the roster instead of just being a product of, not having any answers. The same thing with, you know, putting Andy and and Andy, you know, he could do, he could do great. I believe in the hitting aspect right now. I'm still just not sold on the catching aspect. Get a veteran there, get a veteran at first base and get a veteran in the outfield that Sawinski and Anjuar and Swaggerty and whoever else have to actually beat out. No more of like these, these goofball measuring sticks that they used to go out and get. I mean, go back and listen to all of our pre- our previous like off-season episodes and Chris and I talk about measuring sticks all the time. Like Ben Sherrington is he's the king of bringing in guys that are like for their career like 0.0, you know, wins above replacement but have a decent amount of major league experience to kind of say, "Okay, which guys are a little bit better than that?" No, go out and get a couple guys that are producing like two to three wins a year and have the guys actually try to beat them out for the job. That's that's what I would like to see happen. That to me would be a more healthy competition than seeing, you know, Anjuar and Jack Sawinski and Travis Swaggerty and Cal Mitchell fight for the three spots behind Brian Reynolds. Right, build a team that can go 500 this year. That's what you should do. Build a team that can go for 500 this year, and you will still be able to develop players and watch guys come along. Build a team that starts to do something. Build a team that can win a series. 
you know, and and they could go on winning streaks and a little bit more excitement at the ballpark and 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 can then build on that season in the next season when they should be a playoff contender. That that's what I want to see them do this offseason. That's why I, you know, we started this thing asking whether or not Perez should be the catcher. I, there's several other catchers that I would rather take. Okay, he in my mind again, he's like a placeholder that he might be there for like, you know, defense, running a staff, they may like him in that role, but it would be nice if you added a couple of bats. It'd be nice if you added a pitcher into that rotation. And then you're looking at Contreras and Keller and you're saying, okay, let's see them go another step. And we also have this other guy that comes walking in every five days, does his job. They all look at him. They learn how to do their job at a higher level. And he's a vet. And he's not somebody that you're going to get rid of by July 31st. You know, he's actually somebody that's going to be there for a couple of years as the leader in the rotation, who's a veteran, who's done something before, who's seen a postseason game, so that when you finally get to your first postseason game, you got a guy standing there going, this is going to be different, right? I I showed you guys how to actually go through regular preparation and how to be a veteran, and now I'm telling you what it's going to be like in the postseason. I just think they need those guys. I'm not saying you have to build a team in the offseason that's going to the World Series or even the playoffs. I'm just saying that, like, it's okay now to add a piece or two. It's okay to go out and find somebody who can contribute. And and if there is really a prospect that's good enough to make the roster and be an everyday contributor that's going to be there when you're jumping around the field a few years from now because you won big, if, there, if that guy's really there, he'll push that veteran out of the way that you're signing this offseason. He'll get that guy out of there. And it, it's not going to – you don't need to go out and get Aaron Judge. I'm not saying go do that. I'm not saying go out and spend a ridiculous amount of money. I'm saying, though, that there's going to be plenty of guys out there you can go sign who can be contributors to this team. And I think that's that's the thing I'm looking for this offseason, Craig. I'm looking to see what Charrington does. Because if it's the same thing of, well, we don't want to get in the way of anybody, and we're just going to let them play, and we're just going to be the no-name team, and we're going to go out and we're going to, we're going to lose uh, two-thirds of our games, then that's, that's miserable. And I just think that that's a mistake. Because you you do need to start building something, and you need to start adding some of those pieces. And and what they do at the catcher position may be a very good indication as to whether or not they're going to do that. Let's say at the first base position, are they gonna are they gonna add a starter? So th- there's there's things I'd like to see them do. Not a massive overhaul, not a ridiculous amount of money being spent, but you're you're really not stunting growth if you add a couple of vets. Yeah, and the big thing about like this past off season is if you look at it and. I mean, I know that none of the contracts were even huge, and, and even the amount that they gave, you know, keep Brian Hayes as a, as part of his extension this year, you know, the arbitration, the two years they bought out of, of Brian Reynolds for last year. But, I mean, they did, it was bad money spent on, you know, like a Yoshi Tsutsugo and a Heath Hembry. Heath Hembry got, like, I think he got more than Jose Quintana did last year. I'm pretty sure he got, like, over $2 million, and... You know, with uh, with Yoshi, you got like $4 million there, $5 million with Perez. I mean, there was, I, I know it's not a lot of money, but there was at least pirate-wise a decent amount of money spent last year. And if you spent that at least somewhat wisely, maybe upped it just a tiny bit. I mean, I would just like to see that happen as far as, as competition goes and and you can even look at the teams that build if we're kind of we talked about you know trying to be the rays 
and we've talked about that a lot. If even the Rays have gone out and added pieces for a little bit more money when they felt like they needed to. The Rays don't spend a whole lot of money, but there's times where the Rays kind of with their, you know, yearly value and stuff, they start inching up towards that, you know, $100 million mark at times. I mean, not not, not as close as some other teams or not as much as some other teams, but sure is a heck of a lot more than the Pirates. So, I mean, that's my biggest thing is, is we're hoping, you know, it's like, okay, we got we got Cruz and Peguero and they're going to be fighting it out at shortstop. And, and right now we have Cruz who, who struggled and, and kind of came around a little bit, but still isn't, you know hasn't solidified himself. We hope he's the answer. He needs to get a shot this entire year, but you don't have an answer there. You don't have an answer, you know, at second base. You don't have an answer yet at any of the outfield positions. You don't have an answer at catcher yet. You hope you have an answer, but like I said, have these guys force themselves onto the roster rather than having a bunch of the prospects and the question marks fight it out to see who gets to you know, answer that question first at the beginning of the season. Just, that just really wouldn't make much sense. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing but they-